Welcome, everybody, to the Heat Assist Podcast. My name is Carson. I am your host. I'm joined by my two friends, Stephen and David. So today we're just going to talk a little bit about the uh, news around the NBA, what happened with the uh, Cavs and the Heat, and then we're just going to move on to the Western Conference standings. So first off, why don't we uh, lead with some uh, just some quick news. Uh, Stephen, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Carson. just want to bring up a few points that happened throughout the NBA the past week. So one of the big news that has been going on is about Ben Simmons. He's been having small back issues since the Bucks game. And apparently there's no structural damage as seen through the MRI that they did. Uh, he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. And what they seem to think it's some sort of nerve impingement in his small back. Uh, it's a little bit concerning because they don't really have, a, I guess, a proper diagnosis and no real return date for his, uh, for his condition. Moving on, Kyrie Irving will be having his season-ending injury for his shoulder, and obviously he'll be out for the whole season, and hopefully he'll be back next season for uh, the big return of Kevin Durant as well. Um, Markeith Morris was, uh, he made his debut with the Los Angeles Lakers last night, and I think it's a great pickup for them as they need some sort of depth from their for their bench. And finally... Some epic news, but somewhat sad news for Bradley Beal. He had two straight 50-point performances, but he ended up losing both games. And uh, I just it's just important to know that we have such a good talent out there, but unfortunately, he's stuck with the Wizards. And, you know, just being very sad about his whole situation. I'm glad you mentioned Bradley Beal because uh, when the Heat play the Cavs, they needed Bradley Beal if he was there. They sure do. Since we mentioned Bradley Beal, let's just move on to that one then. David, why don't you start us off with uh, that terrible, terrible De- I, devastating loss. I'm trying to think loss. of like a <laughs> like a adjective to describe what happened. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll thanks. I'll take you over. <laughs> so um, I mean, this Heat game for the first three quarters, it looks like it was a continuation of. Uh, was the previous game for Dwayne Wade retirement jersey night? Uh, the Heat once again they were dominating, shooting it really well. In fact, in the third quarter, they were shooting sixty-eight percent from the field goal field goal percentage. And they had in the second quarter they were eight out of eleven from three pointers. At the very start of the fourth quarter, we entered the fourth quarter and the Heat are up nineteen, and it just seems like. You know, everybody seems like, oh, we're going to win this. Let's just finish this quarter up and get ready for the next game. In the fourth quarter where everything changed and where the heat collapsed, and all started with this very smart choice in starting a very big lineup. They they started Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, and Larry Nance Jr. All three were, were, taking up, were the center to the forward positions, and Kevin Porter and uh, Darius Garland were to fill out the guards rotation. Now, this was a big issue because the Heat started with the biggest guy they started with was uh, Chris Silva, joined by Duncan Robinson, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Goran Dragic. Let's just say... Just, just to okay. uh, put some reference for mm-hmm. the height for Chris Silva, when yes. you say the tallest person was Chris Silva, uh-huh. he's listed at 6'8". Just, yep. just want to throw that out there. Okay, then he's tied with like uh, Duncan Robinson. and <laughs> This was basically a small lineup. First, was a big lineup, which is very unusual in this day and age uh, to start three bigs. It led to, it was a spectacular play because in the first two minutes, the Cavaliers scored on layups and dunks. Four straight possession it was either a layup or a dunk. And all that all those possessions involved Duncan Robinson being attacked at. Teams figure out that Duncan Robinson not going to offer any resistance. And... To give some perspective, Duncan Robinson was 5 for 8 with 15 points in the first three quarters. He was 0 for 6 the rest of the game in the fourth quarter in overtime. And he played most of the fourth quarter in overtime. So you have this this liability on defense. He's contributing nothing on the offensive end. You can see where the problem is starting for the Heat. Uh, on, On offense, they could not make a shot. I would say this lineup, there's not a lot of spacing in this lineup. And the Heat could not create any type of separation, and they they just took a lot of contested 
contested three, while on the other end, the Cavaliers, in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, the Cavaliers in all their possessions, they either made a layup, a dunk, or free throw for all but two of those possessions. They only missed two shots in six minutes of the fourth quarter. Eric Sposa let had no answer for this big lineup. He 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 went with this small ball line for way too long. Um, you know he 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 took out Chris Silva and put in Bam Adebayo, but it was still not enough. I think one of the issues that the Heat also had is just everything just kind of collapsed all at the same time. Like not only were the Cavs on this huge huge momentum with their big lineups, but you know keeping Duncan Robinson in and keeping Goran Dragic. Andre Goodell in the fourth quarter. Uh, I guess they're trying to get trying to match up that big lineup with three pointers. It's just right. that they were not making anything. Like Duncan Robinson, and like you say, he was five for eight in the, until the third quarter, and just went cold, cold, cold in Absolutely the fourth quarter. Not. I think Spolstra was giving him a lot of confidence to try to you know get some sort of offense going. That didn't work. And eventually, he brought in Bam Adebayo to replace Chris Silva. And Bam was the main playmaker at that point. And then he was completely cold as well. Like, everything was just going really bad for the Heat. As much momentum as the Cavs were getting, the Heat were going in the complete opposite direction. No one was making anything. There was a lot of turnovers. The Cavs were dominating the boards. In one play, in two plays, consecutive plays. He, you could tell he was forcing it. He was he was the only one capable of making a shot, and that's not really his role. And I mean, he had three turnovers in the fourth quarter. It's just he was that's just too much to put on him. And then they needed playmakers. That, and that's yeah. the There was a point where um, when Bam came in, uh, the uh, coach Spolstra took Goran Dragic out, and then to finish the game, um, he he gave yeah he put Goran Dragic back in. But he was cold as well. Like, he was completely out. Like, in the last few offensive plays for the Heat, uh, at the end of the fourth quarter and the uh, overtime, uh, Goran Dragic was literally just trying to get something going, driving to the basket or trying to draw fouls, um, get some sort of uh, pick-and-roll game going on. But he was cold as well. And, like, it was, they were barely making any baskets. The fact that they even went to overtime was surprising. Yo, well, yeah. I was just saying, not only was Goran Dragic providing zero, nothing on offense, he was definitely a liability on defense. He was definitely in the post multiple times. And he was definitely been times when he was guarding Larry Nance Jr. and mm. Kevin Love. And it worked out as spectacularly as you would think it would. Not great at all. <laughs> and picked up two fouls that, that led to free throws. And he picked up a technical foul. Though I think that was a bit unfair. It was too much, yeah. It was tough for Spol- uh, Coach Spolstra to make a decision because... He even if he wanted to change the lineup, where could he go? Yeah, it's they don't have the personnel to deal with just three big men. Like these are like power forward center. Yeah. Like none of them are towards a uh, small forward side. They're more towards the power forward center side. So they're big, and not only that, they're extremely physical on the boards and the glass and on the low post. And the Heat just didn't. Their only response, like the coach supposed to try to counter that, was with trying to get small and make three-pointers, which unfortunately didn't didn't work out. I'll also say they were, once again, uh, just like in their previous loss, they were not clutch in the last... There was a close game down to the last two minutes. There was there was one moment Goran Dragic went to the free-throw line. They were down two, and he missed one of the free-throws. The, la- the very last play, the Heat were down two. Goran Dragic took a three. And with nine seconds left on the shot clock, and... It was very lucky that Kendrick Nunn grabbed the offense rebound, put it in to tie the game. But there was nine seconds left. Why are you taking a quick three with so much time left? You giving them like it wasn't even really like that great of a shot. I offensively they were awful. Yeah, Goran Dragic was was just Goran Dragic, uh, Duncan Robinson. They were awful on offense, it, and they gave up so many points on defense. At at the last few minutes of the game, the Heat were just switching everything. And so when the Cavs figured that out, they kept switching. So Duncan Robinson was always either on Kevin Porter or Larry Nance Jr. They were specifically targeting Duncan Robinson to get him to defend the ball handler. It just shows that the Heat needs the, the absence of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero really hurt because 
they have no other uh, player that could create their own three-point shot or even hit the three-point shot consistently. I do, I do want to point out, since you mentioned Kendrick Dunn, he did have a good game. Yes. Uh, he was very he consistent. 50%. And I wish he kind of... He had he would have had the chance to step up more in uh, towards the end of the game, uh, which he didn't unfortunately. It was telling how the Heat are really lacking on the defensive end and how they struggle in the road game. I mean, they were doing fine. Like the first three quarters, compared to the fourth and the fourth quarter in the overtime, mm-hmm. completely different games. Yes, and it's just it was just unfortunate that. You know, we started well, but ended poorly. You know, if it was the other way around, it might have been a better, uh, I guess, a better situation. But I think it's just telling that without Jimmy Butler, uh, the Heat are just being, they're going through some growing pains. Very young team. You know, Bam is still in his third year. Very, very new, trying to become a playmaker. And I think it's just like David says, a little too much for him at this point. I mean, Technically, Bam did play very well in the whole game. It's just that in the final moments, the crucial moments of the game, I think it was just too much for him. And there wasn't enough help as well on a defensive end to counteract the fact that, you know, they were struggling on the offensive end. He had oh. no answers. That well, th- This game also went into overtime. And he only scored eight points in overtime. They only made two field goals in overtime. And... This this big ball lineup played the entire fourth quarter and overtime. And overtime, yep. Yep. Then sub, rarely subbed out, and like he had no answer for this big ball lineup. And the Heat got very lucky that he even went to overtime because on the very last play for the Cavaliers, Kevin Porter drove it in on Derek Jones Jr. He missed the fadeaway uh, jump shot, but Larry Nance Jr. dunked it in. But the dunk occurred after the shot clock was over. So that was very fortunate for the Heat. Oh, yeah. They were controlling the board so hard. Like, yeah. even if the Cavs were missing shots, which it was barely any, yeah. they were getting the offensive rebound. Like, no questions asked. As much as you guys want to say that, I'm really not that worried about them losing. Wow. It's, it's fine. Because they're down set. They're, you know, they only played seven players pretty much, right? You're saying Even all though the injuries they're, yeah, are... they're, they're like, all their players are injured. I would say what's concerning is on offense, yes, the injuries definitely hurt. Missing Tyler Johnson, uh, Tyler Hero, Myers Leonard, and especially Jimmy Butler. But on the defensive end, those injuries, like, where do you guys get their. There's, there's so many issues on the defense. I don't know. It's... I don't know if it can be solved that. I... Easily. I have to agree with David. It's very concerning. Jimmy Butler will come in and help a lot on the perimeter defense. But then again, he is a big boy, or he's, he takes a big load on the offensive end. We don't want to burn him out with taking the, the toughest matchups on the defensive end. I'm okay um, with... Honestly, I'm not that worried. But let me just say on a scale of 1 to 10, when I say not that worried, I'm more like a 4. So you can take it as much as you want. It's just a little concerning. It's more. I would be more concerned if they were at full strength and they still and they lost to the Cavaliers than what they have with the lineup that they lost to. I agree. Right it what you say makes sense. It was just the fact the way that that they lost the way they did, given that they played the same team. Well, actually, it wasn't the same team. They played the Cavs two two nights before and he demolished yeah. them, but they didn't have Kevin Love. Yeah. But um, the first three quarters of, you know, the game in Cleveland, they were dominating, and yes. it's they just 55, completely they fell just apart. Fifty-five percent for the first three quarters. It's just one of those. It's just one of those games where they just they didn't step like you know push it. They didn't kill them. They let them linger around to like playing with their food. It's like kind of like that. It's, they had plenty of those games last season. And I'm like, right now, I'm like grown used to it. It's... I think it's a little bit more than that. And I think that's what David and I are trying to get to. Just because of the, it was very significant. As soon as the big lineup went in for the Cavs, mm-hmm. it just changed the whole dynamic. And there's the, he had no response for it. Yeah. Not only that, 
the lack of experience, I think, just compiled everything on top. And going cold from the shooting, uh, from shooting perspective, it's it's worrisome because if the Heat are not making any of their uh, three point shots, they're in trouble. Like yes. big, if, big trouble. If Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Myers Leonard, if they are not hitting their shots, they're giving up a lot of points on a defensive end. They have to make the shot to even be. The Heat has too many one-dimensional players. Where if those one-dimensional players are not performing at their strength, their liabilities make them a very negative uh, player on the court. Like they, they're unplayable if they're not hitting their shots. But I agree. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, Jimmy Butler will be back. He is. Right. He missed the last few games because of personal reasons. Uh, they haven't really detailed as to why exactly. He hasn't played. Hopefully, it's nothing serious. I heard from Twitter that it's a pretty serious uh, personal family issue. It's probably a death in the family. Oh, that's Jimmy unfortunate. Bob. Yeah. I mean, the positive is physically there's nothing wrong, but emotionally, mentally, where where will he be when he comes back? Right, right. It's hopefully it's not as bad as we're we think it is. Um, on another. On the other side, uh, we do have some good news for Tyler Hero and Myles Leonard. They're both out of their walking boots. Mm. So that's a step forward to their uh, to them being back on the court. Mm-hmm. Anything you guys want to add before we move on? Uh, just that the Heat are going to play the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Another not winnable so game. Team. Winnable game. Winnable. It without, is in Miami. About Carl Anthony Towns and in Miami. So. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, more. I can't, uh, you can't assume anything. Yeah. <laughs> After that be, Cavs game yeah. and the yeah. Hawks game. Yes. OMG. I would say the Heat are going to win definitely if today's game was a Friday. It was a Friday night game and oh, the Timberwolves came in last the previous night. Okay. If it was a Friday night game or a Saturday night game, then I'm, I would, uh, I'm more uh, confident that the Heat are going to win. 99% confident. I'd say I'd say the Heat are gonna win tonight, hundred percent. The the Timberwolves <laughs> are checked out. They they have no reason to play. It's why would they, they might as well just go to Miami and enjoy themselves, enjoy the weather, the nightlife. You got a point there. And the All Heat right. are obviously trying to get a win, so I really see the Heat winning tonight. If they don't win, then I I'm gonna get really worried next episode. If they don't win, I'm gonna start like freaking you out. Sure, I mean you should be worried. This is the easiest part of their schedule. They they should be building a bigger lead between them and the Philadelphia 76ers, which they're only half a game above now. Um, they can't just let these easy games slip away like this. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, let's move on to the Western Conference playoff standings. What we're going to do is we're just going to uh, go through the standings and see and predict who... As of the standings as of today, which is uh, February 26th, we just look at the standings and then see what happens. And we'll just predict on who, th- who we think is going to win and move on to the next round. So we'll start off with the fourth and fifth seed, which is, as of today, the Houston Rockets versus the Utah Jazz. Okay. So for me, personally, mm-hmm. I am not a big fan of the Rockets at all. I don't like them. I don't trust them based on... I test based on Harden and Westbrook not being able to do it. And I think based on I test from last year and not this year. Yes. 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 I do not think that just because they play well in the, in the regular season, that does not always translate to the playoffs, especially the way that they play. I could also say just because they didn't play well in last year playoffs doesn't mean it'll continue on to. I mean, that's true. That's true too. But uh, we'll never know until they play. And I'm pretty sure. Well, I'll tell you why you're wrong, though. And well, well, why do you think the Jazz? Well, well, first, why do you think the Jazz will win or beat the Rockets? You think it's because Rudy Gobert will have a monster game? No, it's not even that. I just think all the time. No, I just think they have a lot more size in their positions, and they'd be able to use that to their advantage than the Rockets. I think that's. I'm not not expecting Rudy Gobert to be an offensive juggernaut and be like Kareem and score like 36 points or like something like that in the post. I'm not expecting that. But I just think that they have a lot more size 
and they could be. Well, you could say advantage. every team has a lot more size than the Rockets. I mean, not the Rockets play small, but they don't play that small. It's not like they're they play like everybody's under six foot four or something. Their their guys are still you know like wing players. They're like six seven, six eight. But I just think that the Jazz have they have Gobert, they have Ingles. I mean, they they just have enough size in their in those like wing positions. I feel like that they are better and more suited against the Rockets. That's well, it's funny enough that well, since that trade, the Rockets have been eight and two in those games. They actually played the Jazz twice in that ten game span. They're one and one against the Jazz since yeah. that since the new small ball team that I I I heard people calling them the Pocket Rockets for the small ball Rockets. I kind of <laughs> like that name. I'm going to be referring to them as the Pocket Rockets from now on. The Pocket Rockets, the two losses they have were against the Jazz, and that Jazz game where they lost, uh, you could say it was like it was down to a last-second play by a miracle three-point shot by uh, Bojan Bogdanovic. It was a pretty lucky play, and I'm I'm glad you didn't mention that you didn't you don't expect Rudy Gobert to have a monster game or expect him to post up every play because in those two games he went three for six and three for seven. I I think a common misconception is people think that because the the Rockets are starting a six five center and PJ Tucker that oh they should be able to easily post up PJ Tucker and score score the points on the inside. Uh, I think Carson famously said that on a previous episode he said if mm-hmm. a coach doesn't have the center uh, post ball and score inside that coach is an idiot and should be fired. Well, I argue that that's exactly what the Rockets want you to do. Because I'm not saying the Rockets are a great defensive team, but their strength, their individual team strength, is actually their post-defense. You have uh, players such as uh, P.J. Tucker, James Harden, Eric Gordon. They're actually pretty good post players. If you are not going to attack them defensively and you want to attack them by, by, by posting them up, you are playing to the Rockets' strength. And them shooting over 40% from three doesn't help them winning that game. Because every loss that they've made, they've been shooting under 40%. So you expect them to shoot over 40% from three point well, in the playoffs. Why, but why do you think they went to a small ball lineup? They go to a small small ball lineup to maximize the space so they can maximize the three point. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I agree with that. So, But you're expecting them to shoot like that over 40% in the, in the playoff game, in the playoffs. But it's not just shooting threes. Against, Westbrook is not shooting all threes. He has over. He's having averaging over thirty points, and those, a lot of them are not three pointers. Teams cannot contain Russell he, Westbrook. I'm not worried about Russell Westbrook. I'm worried about the others. So I'm not talking about him because he don't, he doesn't attempt a lot of threes. That's fine, which is fine because that's how we want to play. His other teammates are still shooting over forty over forty percent as a team. They're shooting forty percent from three point. You don't seem to understand that it's not just they're lucky and they're on fire and that's why they're shooting 40%. They're shooting 40% because they are getting open shots because there's no, there's so much space provided to them. And just to point out your point about attacking them inside, mm-hmm. team forcing it in the post, and I think the Lakers game was a prime example of it, was the main reason why the Lakers lost that game. Today, nowadays... Centers do not are not good post players anymore. There, there mm-hmm. you got very few post players in the league nowadays. And to force a, a player like Anthony Davis to play his back to the basket and post it up, that's not his strength. You're taking a weak point of a player and you're forcing him to do it. And that's what the Rockets want you to do. They want you to take these low percentage shots and playing to the defensive strength. Now, I, I want to bring up a very good point that made by Rick Carlisle coach of the Dallas Mavericks. I think you guys will agree that he's a very good coach. I mean, I think very highly highly of him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, Dallas Mavericks have the number one offensive rating in the league, tied with the Houston Rockets. Both are tied for first in the offensive rating. And in one game, the Dallas Mavericks lost to San Antonio Spurs, and people on Twitter kept criticizing uh, Rick Carlisle because Christoph Porzingis should have been posting up more instead of hanging out on the perimeter and hoisting up three-pointers. I mean, I find it funny people criticizing Rick Carlisle, who led the, who coached the Mavericks to the number one offense in the league, and then you have amateurs telling him how to do it. 
he made this quote about the post of, and I thought it was very enlightening. Um, I'm going to start. It's a little long, but I didn't get the point across very well. Uh, what Carlos says, the post up isn't just a good play and isn't a good play anymore. It just isn't a good play. It's not a good play for a 7-3 guy. It's a low value situation. Our numbers are very substantial that when he spaces beyond the three-point line, you know, we're a historically good offensive team. And when any of our guys go in there, our effectiveness is diminished exponentially. It's counterintuitive. I understand that, but it's a fact. So I think he's saying that, oh, it, does, it doesn't make sense. It, it should make sense that you should go inside and post up. But nowadays, numbers are not supporting that. The analytics are not supporting that. So then he'll go on. I think there's certain situation where it makes sense. If we can get him on a roll, get him, Christoph Pozingas, on a roll in the paint towards the rim, that's a good situation. And that's what we're trying to do with all our guys. We don't post anybody up. We post Luca up every once in a while when he has a small, a real small guy on him. But even those situations, the value of those situations has plummeted. It's basically saying people who expect to post up are no longer, they're not living in the 2020 modern NBA. Those type of plays, those type of shots, they're inefficient and they're going extinct. The Houston Rockets are just taking, using all the data that they generate, all the data that they have, and just putting them, themselves in a position where they, they can fully utilize high efficiency shots while forcing their opponents to take very low efficient shots. They're, pl they're playing to Russell Westbrook's strength and James Harden's strength. Kent Capella became obsolete on offense because his main strength is on the pick and roll. The, the Houston Rockets was transitioning to an ISO game where they don't even use Kent Capella on the pick and roll anymore. And I saw this on, on Bleacher Reports. Uh, the Rockets score per 100 possession 5.4 more points when Clint Capella was out of the lineup. And then on defense, they gave up three more points when uh, without Clint Capella. So that's still a net a net positive of 2.4 points. They're playing to their, they're just running the numbers and it seems to make more sense that our offense will outgun what we allow on defense. I couldn't agree more with David. It's, you have to play to your strengths. It's a very good point that he made that we don't really have any good post-up players in the NBA today. Right. I mean, if there was a Shaq playing in today's NBA, I'm sure, you know, he'll be getting fed down low all the time. And even then, given that the three-point is so more prevalent, it still wouldn't be the best shot because you have a lot more spacing. You have you have the capability of getting three-point shots at a much easier pace since everyone can shoot better than back in the heydays, right? I do think the Jazz are good enough to put a fight. As right. much as Gobert is a... Um, as much as he's a strength, like Carson says, he's bigger. He should be able to kind of uh, bully... Uh, they're smaller, smaller players. Even if he had a good post-up game on the offensive end, he would still be somewhat of a liability on the defensive end because then he had to go to the perimeter. And not only that, even when he didn't have to go to the perimeter because Westbrook was posting him up, <laughs> Westbrook was posting Gobert up and being extremely successful, the Rockets were still doing extremely well with that. And I think that's why we give the the nod to the Rockets. Just based on their two games they play, the Jazz just they can't they can't outscore the Rockets and they can't contain the Rockets. The two main scores for the Jazz in those two games, just I know it's a small sample size, but it was really the main scores were Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson, yes. But Jordan Clarkson plays what played well. Yeah, I'm saying those two were the main scores for the Jazz. The other, the other players, they need to pick up because they haven't been scoring for the Jazz. And I would say, I don't know if, who knows if they will pick it up. I, it's certainly possible. They're, they're certainly well coached. I just don't see them having enough firepower to outshoot the Jazz, uh, to outshoot the Rockets. I'm on the, I'm on the hand of if I, if it hasn't happened before, I ain't gonna believe it. Well, you could say the I, Jazz never beat the Rockets. Then, as far as that goes, yeah, you're right. That hasn't happened. But are we? You just think that you're gonna get past the first round? Yes. That's it. If, you if don't this is the matchup, if this is the matchup, uh, Rockets versus Jazz, then the Rockets are gonna go to the second round. 
I, I like the Utah Jazz's chances. How do you see them winning against the Rockets? I just don't think that the Rockets are going to play the same. They're going to be able to play the same way as they can in the playoffs because the pace is going to be slower. That's, they won't be able to no. jack as many shots as they want in the playoffs than in the in the in the regular season. I think that's debatable. And even even then, when it comes to that, each shot will be even more important because they I, have to make it. I think that's debatable because I don't think the Jazz have the personnel to defend the Rockets, like David said. It's one thing when a team has the tools to slow the game down, having perimeter defenders. They have Bojan Bogdanovic, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley is unfortunately hard to say. He's not the same player as he used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not going to be able to contain him. I think if you're talking to a, about a team like the Clippers or or the Lakers, who they have a, a lot of good perimeter defenders, yes, they can slow them down. You know, they can kind of take the the whole pace of the game into a half court setting. It's hard to see the Jazz being able to do that. The Jazz could not contain Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I mean, it's just two games, but they haven't been able to contain those two players. I, I just want you guys to know, like the two players when they the last time that they beat the Jazz. The two player, the two main scorers for the Rockets was James Harden and Westbrook. Obviously, each of them mm-hmm. scored over thirty points. Everybody mm-hmm. else scored single digits, besides uh, Ben McMore and Eric Gordon. Those are the only two players who didn't who uh, scored uh, double digits, and they scored 12, 12 points apiece. It's not. It's not not the same for the Jazz. Just they have no, two no, no. high I, scores. I just, and... No, no, that's not. That's not what I'm talking. I'm not talking about Jazz. I'm just talking about the Rockets. Okay. In the playoffs, I do not think. Westbrook and Harden are both going to be able to keep doing that on a consistent basis if all the rest of the Rockets are going to score that little points. And I don't think Eric Gordon or Ben McAmore are going to score double digits either. Besides those two players, your third option is going to be Eric Gordon, right? I mean, I don't. is there anybody else I'm missing that... Robert Covington. Robert Covington, come on, man. I don't when see was the last time why he had a not. Playoff game? Before he was on Minnesota? <laughs> A good playoff game. Even when he was with the rap, uh, with the 76ers, he didn't shoot that well. I would say just because they don't shoot well in previous playoffs, you, you just automatically assume they could continue this performance throughout. But like, but he didn't, he'll just be a one-dimensional player then. He's not a one-dimensional player because he know, helps on the defense. Supposed to be a two, he's supposed to be a 3 and D player. That's what he is. But if you, all you're, if you can't shoot threes, then you're just one-dimensional then. Well, it's a lot easier to shoot threes when you're more open and have more space. I do want to point out that I can say that they, he had the same amount of space. He could just as much as space as open space as possible with the 76ers with Joel Embiid. Oh, no, I doubt that. I, 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 I think so. You I think they have more space because they have Joel Embiid? Uh, I, I think so. You're going to, you're going to double team him. There's no spacing on the 76ers team. Yeah. They had a spacing problem. I do want to point out that Robert Covington is averaging about 35% from the three-point line. But ever since he joined the Rockets, he's averaging two over 2.5 blocks a game. Blocks? Yes. yes. Blocks. Everybody helps in on defense. They play a switching defense. They create turnovers, block shots, and they run and gun. They're very good at forcing turnovers. So that's yes. one of so one of the, you know, being that they're small, they're giving up a lot of rebounds, but they're, compensating by getting a lot of or forcing a lot of turnovers and going on transition and when they get on transition it's pretty i mean it, you know russell westbrook he it's pretty much uh he, he's gonna score yeah it's very hard to guard the rockets in a transition when they're in transition running fast break also a point about the rebounds when you shoot a three the rebounds a lot less predictable and it's, yeah, it's long. A bounce. yeah it's gonna be longer so it kind of negate the big man in a way because it's a long rebound. Yeah, it's a longer rebound where it's mostly up for the guards to get the rebound. And they have very good rebounding guards. Westbrook. There you go. I, I do want to point out, though, as much as I, I'm, I'm picking more towards Davids just because I, I have to say I'm a little biased. I'm a huge Westbrook fan. <laughs> and I like the fact that he's surrounded by shooters. Right. Where I felt I always felt like that was one of the biggest. Ooh, it, it's it irked me so much that the Oklahoma City Thunder never had confident shooters besides Durant. Mm-hmm. Even when Durant was there, they had no shooters besides yes. Durant. 
it was so tough watching Westbrook trying to figure things out, and people would just complain, why is he taking those crazy long-range jump shots, three-point shots? Like, who else is going to shoot him? <laughs> like, just give the ball to Durant and let him shoot every single shot. Like, he had to create, he had to keep the defense honest, right? So I'm very optimistic that Westbrook's going to flourish, and I'm hoping that he does. But I do, sh- I do share Carson's concern for... You guys want to bet the, on it then? Uh, yeah. for the role, for the bench players, just because in the playoffs for role players, percentages tend to go down for long range jump shots, and if they can't carry their load, that it's going to be a big problem. Because I, as much as I see Russell Westbrook continuing being consistent, because he's always taking his high percentage shots, um, James Harden has you know mostly good games in the playoffs. It's hard to see the. I it's it's unproven whether the supporting cast can perform as well. Eric Gordon has some on and off games, hit or miss. Everyone else is pretty much an unproven scorer at this point, so I do share that concern with Carson. Uh, but I not not even that, but the pressure on that team is even higher than what they are than what they were like the previous years. You think because so? this year they went all in. So. They put it. They basically put in. You all can say their last year they went all in too. No, I don't think so. They they pretty much destroy. They pretty much got rid of Clint Capella. There is no excuse now. They got rid of their I, big guy because they're saying, oh, okay, they're going by analytics. They want to shoot. They want, they're saying that they could score more without Clint Capella, so they got rid of him. What, I, what excuse are they going to have if they if they lose in the first round? Well, I, I think from your perspective, the, the, the like, pressure on him is not even more, is even higher. From the perspective of Daryl Morey and coach Mike D'Antoni, that's very true. But for fans, like, we don't expect them to win at this point. No one does. They don't really have that pressure. The only pressure on that team is from Daryl Morey and D'Antoni because they're probably going to be fired if they don't win at all. But we as fans, we don't expect them to win. Like Last year with Chris Paul, the only excuse that the, the Rockets had from not beating them the, the two years ago was because Chris Paul got hurt. They almost took it off. Uh, beat the you know legendary Warriors with Durant. And then last year... They were all healthy and they still lost. That was high pressure, much high pressure than this year. Like, this, you know, who thinks that the Houston Rockets are going to be contenders, going to win a title? Like the Houston Rockets mm-hmm. last year were the main competitors against the, the Warriors. Yeah, they were the yeah. chosen ones. Yeah, they were predicted <laughs> to destroy, to beat the Warriors and win it all. They don't have that type of pressure this year. I think they, they did win on because they traded a lot for Chris Paul as well. I think they went all. I think they went all in on this one. Oh, they, they did. pretty much they, they they got rid of their. They got yeah, but it's not as much pressure as last year when they were expected it's, to win the championship. Oh, I don't know about that. It's like what Carson's saying is partially true. Like Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni have everything is on the line for them. If they don't win, they're fired. So there's a lot of they're pressure for them. It was always on the line for them. I mean, they're. they're their whole point of building that team is by analytics. So this mm-hmm. is their analytic analytically. This is this is it. Like yeah. what else are you gonna change? <laughs> what else are you gonna change? You're gonna shoot. You're gonna shoot further away so you can get more space. Like what, I don't. I mean, what? What's what the difference in do? pressure? They they will always expect to win a championship. Where is the difference in pressure? The difference, not not the championship, but getting getting further in. I would say I'm not. I don't think they're gonna win the championship because this season. Let's be honest. The one who's uh the ones whose favorite is the Clippers, right? Can we all three of us agree on that? Or the, it's Lakers. Either Clippers or the Lakers. Okay. Yes. Either one yeah. of the LA teams. All right. You could take your pick. Mm-hmm. Nobody's expecting the the Rockets to to do that. Exactly. Right? Which is why yeah. we're saying there's not as much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but but they're putting if they don't get past the first round, what do you think is going to happen to that to that whole? Oh, idea with the way Daryl right Morley and the way everything's set up, they know it's just one or done. They. They know if they exactly. don't do it, they, so done, they get fired. So pressure on them that they have to get past at least the first round. I think they accept it. Like, hey, we, no, they didn't extend Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey. I, I'm sure he, that's why he said that Hong Kong treat. Like, he's just like, I, I know that my time is coming. This is it. This is my last shot. I'm going all in. If it doesn't work out, I know I'm getting fired. And that and that doesn't mean pressure? It's self perspectives, right? It's it's high stakes with Daryl Morey. And, and I've been saying, Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are at the highest pressure points, for sure. I completely agree with that. But from our fan perspective, it's like, 
And if the if the Rockets don't win, well, duh. You know, we we all kind of expected that. We're all we are expecting one of the LA teams to make it into the finals. Okay, but do you do you think James Harden and Russell Westbrook are under pressure? They're always under pressure, but not not as high as last year. Like Westbrook has no pressure because he's he's a new guy. He's coming in to help. James Harden last year was this year. They were the chosen team to beat the legendary Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green Warriors. And they were pretty close two years ago, except for the fact that Chris Paul got hurt. They went in last year. We're healthy. Let's do this. And they, they kind of just, you know, Anyways, you, you know how it right. happened. Well, yeah. we need to move on. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we need to uh, move on. Before uh-huh. we move on, so let's just clear things up. Carson says I say the, the Jazz. I say the jazz. No, 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 no. He's not saying the Jazz. He's saying any team will beat the Rockets. Because I haven't heard much about the Jazz. If, if I, I haven't really heard much about the Jazz, to be honest. Oh, I don't like I don't like the Rockets. Okay, I'll tell you the teams that I I think that are gonna beat them. It's every team. Those, Even the Memphis they, Grizzlies could beat them, right, Carson? No, I don't. I didn't think the, I didn't say that. <laughs> I like the Jazz. I like the Clippers. I like the Nuggets, and I like the Lakers. I kind of like OKC. I can see how about, OKC. How about the Mavs? So yeah. everyone every, except every for team the team besides the Memphis Grizzlies. Wow. Okay, okay. So before you go on, before you go on, so let's say the matchup is Houston Rockets at four, the Jazz at five, meaning that the Rockets have home court advantage. What would you say is the series? How would it end? How many games would the Rockets have? How many games would the Jazz have? For me, I say it's four two in favor of the Rockets. I say four two in favor of the Jazz. I'm with David. Four two for the Rockets. All right, moving on. Number three and number six, which is the Clippers and the OKC Thunder. That's dangerous. Ooh. Clippers. I I like the Thunder a lot. I think if they're Do you see lightly, them beating? Yeah, who cares if you like them? <laughs> if the Thunder were playing anyone else except for the Clippers and Lakers, I would say the Thunder can win those games. Like against the Nuggets, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Mavericks, or the Grizzlies, the Thunder could win those uh, that series. I still give it to the Clippers though, four two to the Clippers. I'll, I'll give the Thunder two games, especially because they have the strongest fourth quarter in the NBA. Yeah, I found that interesting too. Um, looking up, they they allowed the second lowest fourth quarter points. And we That's know all know about Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just. I, I about the Thunder though. I just want to emphasize Dennis Schroeder. He could be a six man of the year candidate. If you if you compare him to Lou Williams, their stats very comparable. Uh, comparable. Lou Williams is averaging nineteen point four points, three point two rebounds, five point nine assists. Dennis is uh, averaging nineteen points, three point eight rebounds, four point zero assists. It's it's very identical. The one advantage that I give Schroeder is that he's a very good defender. Mm-hmm. Very unlike, good defender. Unlike Lou Williams. Still, would you say the Clippers win? I do. Just assuming they're healthy, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are healthy, especially Paul George. I could say the same thing about Chris Paul, too. So far, he's shown he can be healthy. But yeah, in the playoffs, who knows? But For the last two seasons, he's been injured in the playoffs. But deep in the playoffs. First yes. round tends to be okay. It, 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 they're still injured. Oh, first I mean, round. Could, He's usually he, not injured. Let, let's just let's just say this: if Paul George is injured for the for the Clippers, and then Chris Paul is injured for the Clipper for the uh, Thunder, who do you who do you think is a better team? Oh, the Clippers I mean, are always going to be a better because they're team. two. Yeah. Those are the two injury prone, right? Injury prone players that both of us can agree on. I think what I was trying to say is that you know obviously the Clippers are going to win if both teams are fully healthy. Mm-hmm. I just feel that the Clippers, given their depth, they might be willing to have one of their star players not play for rest reasons. And I think that could be dangerous. I don't see the Thunder winning in any scenario unless both Kawhi and Paul George don't play mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Right. But I'm just saying the Thunder, they're they're that good, given that no one expected them to be that good. And they shouldn't be taken lightly. Like I said, if it was any other team other than the Lakers or the Clippers... The Thunder will be right there. They could easily move on to the second round. I, I say that very easily. I, I leave the matches up to the matchups like fifty percent against any of those teams. Like okay. the Clippers are that good, but the Thunder shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's good that we talk about both teams, you know, not just talk about the one who we think going to win, but also list the strength of the, you know, of both teams. But yeah, I, I see the Thunder not being able to defeat the Clippers. I, I think they're just too deep. And just the addition of the two superstars, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, allows them to not rely on that uh, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell combo because they were they were a liability on defense. So, yeah. But the Clippers don't have to rely on that combo anymore. So oh, they're so deep. It's yeah. I just want to say. I just want to point. I just want to say this though. If they if the Clippers lose the first round, how much crap is Kawhi Leonard gonna get? I don't. I think. I think it's more crap on Paul George. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's, it's more crap having... on Kawhi Leonard because the whole point so of him Lash. resting is so that he can be 100 percent in the playoffs. I think it it's situational. It's it like it. What if Kawhi has godlike performance, but they still lose? You know, everyone else does horribly bad, but Kawhi does really well. I guess there's different scenarios to play. I want to say it would be just his fault. I feel like somebody's going to make up the excuse that somebody's going to be like, you should have played more in the regular season so you guys can have build more chemistry instead of sitting out for all that many games. Oh, yeah, 100% well, agree with that. Somebody's going to say that. It's not just going to be like... What chemistry? Yeah. They, those two haven't been able to build chemistry, but it's not all because of Kawhi Leonard. Paul George I, hasn't been healthy. I, I yeah, think, but that's a legitimate excuse that he's been I, injured. And I Kawhi think Leonard Carson's point, specifically sat out. And he's the bigger star. He's the yeah. leader of the team. I think Car- that's a very good point Carson's making. Although, I would put that percentage of something like that happening at like 0.1%. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's going to I'll just say, just in case, <laughs> this is going to happen. What if this happens? That, that would not be fun for Kawhi Leonard. All of us agree on the Clippers, right? Well, well, let's give the final score for the playoff oh. matchup. I think me and David said four and two. What do you think? I agree, four and two. Okay, cool. On to the next. All right, so next one will be Dallas versus the uh, Dallas, which is the seventh seed versus Denver, which is the second seed. This is gonna be interesting because you you all, all right. know how I feel about the, the Mavericks, but but I'll, I'll let you go, Carson, since. For me, this is kind of tough. This is tougher than... Uh, yeah. This, I think this has the most upset potential. Yeah, because I like both teams. Both teams are strong. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to give it to uh, the Mavs. Wow, really? I'll give it to the Mavs, yeah. I just want to point out to the listeners that Carson is a huge Nuggets fan. I am. <laughs> I, well, Nuggets I was too, so I, I admit... I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Jochik fan. I, lo- I like that guy. I think he's really good. He was my uh, pick for uh, MVP, most valuable right? player, MVP. I got to give I, I like Dallas's chances. I think it's going to go seven, though. So I'm just going to say the games. I think it's going to go seven. Why do you think the Mavs would edge the Nuggets? I'm just going back to like last season when, they, when I saw them in the playoffs. There was a scenario where like down the stretch, like when Jochich was uh, sitting, their offense was stagnating way too much. Mm-hmm. They can't operate without him. And I don't think Jokic is just has enough experience to like be able to carry a team. I just don't think it's that it's his time yet. Also, their coach is I don't think is as good as Rick Carla. I think Rick Carla is a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's done it before. And I and yeah. I think that he's going that they have enough star players and they have enough the Mavericks have better star uh, I feel like the Mavericks have better star players and a better coach, and that's gonna take them over that hump. At least get past the first round. Interesting. But, but it's going to be really, I feel it's going to be really tough. But yeah, that's my pick. And I'm a huge, and, and like you said, I am a huge Nuggets fan. I, I, I like the Nuggets. What do you think, David? To me, I, I don't think they, they have enough three-point shooting. Um, you know, the big star, Jokic. I feel like the Mavs, even though I don't think Kristoff Porzingis can guard Jokic, I, I feel like they could double him. The Nuggets don't have enough three-point shooting to offset that double team to make the Mavericks pay for that double teaming. The Mavericks, number one offensive team in the league. That's going to be hard for them. I think they're going to have a hard time containing Luka Dantich. I mean, that playoff series last year was going to point in Trailblazers. They had a hard time containing Damian Lillard and CJ McCollin. Luka Dantich has similar range to those players. And he could drive in. He's a lot bigger, too. 
he could he makes plays for his for his teammates. The Mavs have so much spacing because everybody in their lineup can shoot the three. It's very similar to their Houston Rockets. They have so much three pointers that you can't you can't really double Luka Doncic and help off with him. Luka Doncic is gonna carry them, and uh, the Nuggets don't have enough three point shooting to offset that. And they, I think they're also relying a lot on Jokic. Not just Jokic, but they need other players to step up, such as Michael Porter and Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. So to, I, add, to add to David's sentiment, I think it's very interesting that no one's really talking about Jamal Murray. He is supposed to be the Nuggets' second star. Pretty disappointing, and I admit, yes. We're all kind of just mentioning him like a role player. Which you I know, agree. He's, played, he's getting paid a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. But he, but his 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 production isn't translating to the to the money. Right. I think that's again, why. I, like money now in the NBA, I I don't consider that to be to be worth anything because it's not an I've seen those as to how a lot. They are. Yeah, I've seen a lot of really ridiculous contracts, and I remember Timothy Mozgov got a ridiculous contract. That was a. Uh... That was a special situation, but it, mm-hmm. yes, still. So contracts, contracts in the NBA, I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot of uh, stock into that. But I, I agree with you guys. I agree with you guys. Uh, Jamal Murray, for like, because tr- he is a second option. He doesn't. He's not mm-hmm. really a second option. No. Yeah, yeah. and that I think and that's I have- why my that was my biggest uh, disappointment in the Nuggets. I was really high on them. I expected a lot more out of Jamal, uh, Jamal Murray. And, Me too. And yeah. I was in the same boat as you. I also want to point out that he is uh, primarily an offensive player. So if he's not scoring, he's not shooting mm-hmm. well, he's not really an asset on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say, um, as both of you know, we had a big discussion about both yes. teams before. I'm not really a big fan of the Nuggets or the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. I went on record multiple times saying the Nuggets are more of a regular season team. Yes. I like Jokic. He's entertaining to watch. He has a lot of skills that are he uses very well. Playmaking, shooting the three, post-up. Given his type of body, it's very entertaining Entertaining to watch him play. <laughs> uh, not, not a knock on him, but he just has a finesse to it, and it's very yeah. enjoyable. And he has... The, Court vision, the passes, man, it's so nice. But beyond that, the Nuggets are a bunch of well-coached role players. And I don't think Jokic has enough help to be able to overtake mm-hmm. a superstar in the making, MVP caliber quality player in Luka Doncic. I've also said in the past multiple times that I'm not a fan of the Mavericks, just mainly because I hadn't seen him play very often. And I didn't really even know many other players. Mm-hmm. And I still stick by that. Like, I know Christoph Porzingis, <laughs> but even back in the Knicks day, I wasn't really a big fan of his just because I never thought he was that efficient. Uh, he takes a lot of threes. And well, yeah, he's shooting pretty well this year. I, I'm still very hesitant to see how that's going to translate in the playoffs, especially when it's going to get a lot more physical. We'll see mm-hmm. how his body holds up and see how his percentage holds up. But I am a very, very, very huge fan of Luka Doncic. I think his level of stardom, level of, his skill set, his court vision, uh, his competitiveness, his clutchness. Like, even in his rookie year, he was closing games out, like, pulling some crazy plays. And very few people can do that. And he is so young to be able to have that, you know, cool, collected demeanor. He's he's you can never see him being out of control, even though he, he doesn't always make the right play. Obviously, he has a lot a high turnover ratio, but um, he also it, has a lot of usage ratio. So that it, turnover ratio that turnovers is going to be high anyway. Exactly. And so I I just I'm a very big fan of his, even though I'm not a big fan of the Mavericks as a team overall. I do think that Luca is a big enough of a, a star power, a superstar to be able to carry the Mavericks over the, the Nuggets. And I see the series going seven games, a very entertaining seven games. So who do you have, though? For, for the Mavericks. Okay. Well, we can all agree on the Mavericks. Yes. So let's uh, go to our final 
playoff prediction in the West, <laughs> which is the Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies. I really don't want to talk about any of this because I'm just going to say Lakers in four. Yeah. Well, I also want to say it's not actually guaranteed. no. I'll give I'll get I'll say five. I'll get I'll give the Memphis one. I wouldn't do that, but I'm not even sure it would be the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, point there. So Portland's only trailing by two, and Pelicans are trailing by three. Yeah, and just to make the case against the Grizzlies, they lost a very key player in Jaron Jackson Jr. They actually got worse in that trade with the Miami Heat because they lost Jay Crowder as well. And they got back uh, Justice Winslow, who might not play this year. So that's already two key players that are gone. They have the toughest schedule left in the league. They are not a good three-point shooting team. They're 26 in the league in three points attempt, but they're n- they're first in the league in points in the paint. The problem is the Lakers are a very good team at defending in points in the paint because they have two big guys. <laughs> and the points in the paint, it helps. Jalen Jackson Jr. definitely helps with that. So there's... I am not confident that the Grizzly will remain the eighth seed by the end of the year. Who do you predict being the eighth seed then? I just want to see the Pelicans just to see another rematch of the, just to see Zion in the playoffs. I think he played the Lakers like earlier this week and yesterday. Didn't go well. They played yesterday. Oh. He, wasn't that, well. he wasn't that bad, but uh, it was really. <laughs> Offensively, he shot, he like, shot 29, he made 29 points and he made, he was eight for 18, 44%. It's not that bad. But most of his points were some free throws. He was, went to the line 19 times. He lot. made 13 of them. He's a big boy. That. When he was playing, when he wasn't getting to the free throw line, he was pretty much irrelevant on the defensive end. I mean, on the I, offensive end. I think the entire the entire Pelicans team was pretty off, except for Brendan Ingram, which is good to see him playing against his ex team. Man, they they had a Drew Holiday guarding LeBron, and it was rough. Man, LeBron is so much bigger than Drew Holiday. Like, what can he put, do? He was posting him up. Defender on LeBron. That was the best defender. Who else but can guard him? <laughs> LeBron was literally just posting up on him. It was just, yeah. I just it was felt just bad for Drew Holiday. Down. It was tough to watch. I like Drew Holiday. And he was trying. He was, he was game. Like, he was really trying. But he just got kept getting called for fouls. And I would say got in rhythm. I would say that was the best shot. What else can, what, what else can the Pelicans do? But yeah. <laughs> I guess the point is, regardless of who we think the eighth seed is going to be, it's going to be probably a sweep by the Lakers. I think LeBron will be very motivated to end it as quick as possible so they can rest <laughs> and, and get rested for the second matchup, which, yeah. would be the, which would be either the Rockets or the Jazz. And like The level of competition just goes way up. Mm-hmm. So they definitely want to get that quick they, hit. Well, I mean, you guys have anything to say about the Grizzly? And any well, any good thing to say about that? It's yeah. obviously Grizzlies. They're being carried by John Morant, Rookie of the Year okay. in my book. And who I predicted as well. He's he's really good. Um, very entertaining to watch. Very charismatic. Very competitive. Apparently, he's a big trash talker. Likes to mm-hmm. talk a lot. But when you <laughs> hear him talking in interviews with the media, he's very poised. Seems like he's going to be a great, great leader for the team. And he's oh, yeah. very exciting. Driving to the basket all the time. Making some really nifty assists. Um, it'll be fun to watch him in the... Uh, in a playoff setting, if they do get the eighth seed. I mean, I like their potential. I like them for next season and beyond, especially if they, if Justice Winslow can fully, can become, return 100%. I don't think he's going to be able to. I I guess I want to ask you guys, being that he was a former Heat player and a lot of Heat fans are very, you know, hold them very closely. Salty about the trade? (laughs) Well, they, they like them a lot, right? Is there any news about his back condition? Like, is he... Is there any prognosis to his condition? Anybody no. hear anything? No, I I don't She's think it's back. likely that. I think the Grizzly said he might return this season, but I, I don't know. I don't think that's likely. That guy, he, I liked him, but he's just so injury prone. Yes, he is. He he's he been hasn't, injured his whole career. Yeah, right? yes. He can't. He hasn't played one. I don't think he has played one single full season yet. He's yeah. always been injured. Mm-hmm. He seemed very promising. It's just yeah. it's sad to see that injuries just held him back. I mean, 
I honestly, I, I wouldn't have gone with the trade. I would just let him rest up and see what happens because he's still young. He's only twenty two years old. Like, I guess, I guess the the trade was really more for he was the key to getting rid of those other bad assets. It, yes. I don't think Pat Riley wanted to get rid of him. It's just the price that he had to pay to get rid of those other bad contracts, which is unfortunate. Yes. Well, this, I mean, it's not working. It's it's not working out too well for Andre Iguodala right now, but it's oh, still man. time for him. the defensive strength that he brings. I see it. I mean, I I hope it gets better, but the offensive struggles. He looks off. He looks, he looks way off. Rusty. It's he a good offers nothing on offense. He he's a ne- he's a negative on offense. He does not help their spacing. Teams does not respect his shot. It's not looking good on all offense. I'm I'm hoping once Jimmy Butler gets in and we have that solidified playmaker, that things will start falling into place, including Andre Iguodala. I do want to point out Jay Crowder still shooting pretty well. Might mm-hmm. be second option Jay Crowder when Jimmy Butler gets back. He has been playing really well. He's just, he shot it really well. So far, it's continuing. So well, far. the thing is, he's as we saw in the Cleveland game, he's just not... A playmaker. He yeah, he's he, not. He's, he, he needs someone to give him those good looks. Mm-hmm. And anything else? Or just who you guys think of when it when they all the championship? Oh, the Clippers. Who? Okay. I see the Clippers as well. Just two fully deep. healthy Clipper, Clippers. Even with the addition of Marquise Morris for the uh, man, but Lakers. it's so hard to go against LeBron. Yeah. It's Very so easy hard for to me. go against LeBron. Very easy for me. <laughs> like I, I was thinking about this before we started the episode. We should save this for next time. Should save, we? Let's okay. save that. Let's just save that for next time. Okay. Fair save enough. that for next time. All right. This is the the Heat Assist Podcast. See you later, guys. <laughs>